15. I am also just past one minute, so we are pretty synchronized. In, in sync, yeah. Yeah, we're in sync. We're like two, uh, two women who are living too long <laughs> together. It's Friday, September 24th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering and Supermarket Turncoat. With me today is Gordon Derrick, contributing editor at Dutch News and Second Severn Bridge Crosser. Oh, that's a bit of a tongue twister. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. I think I managed it well. You did, yeah. You... Um, we, uh, we recently, on the Dutch News Podcast, uh, with Robin Pesco, found out that we have something in common, and that is that we all share the same favorite bridge. Yes. Which is a remarkable <laughs> coincidence. Yeah. Uh, I think it's in the first place that, that that there are people uh, that, that we have had a group together with uh, people that have a favorite bridge. I was going to say, yeah, that's remarkable it, in itself. Yeah, all in itself, yeah. and then we all have the same, the same uh, favorite, favorite bridge. bridge. Yeah. Which uh, which bridge is our favorite bridge? Uh, which Gordon? is the Clifton Suspension Bridge in Bristol. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice bridge. It's a lovely, beautiful bridge. Um, yeah, I'd recommend. Thoroughly recommend it if you're passing that way. Probably not worth going out a long way out of your way for. No, of yeah. course not. Of yeah. course it is. Of course to- it is. <laughs> yeah. It's an engineering marvel. It is. Robin was actually born next to it. We learned. Uh, after that was a fascinating detail, week. indeed. Uh, that was a fascinating detail. And um, my um, happy place, my mental happy place, is uh, talking to Brenda from Bristol <laughs> on the Clifton Suspension Bridge. Yes. That's, uh, that's my happy happy place. But you went to Bristol uh, this week, didn't you? I did, but I didn't actually go on the uh, Clifton Suspension Bridge this time, uh, which uh, yeah, I missed the opportunity. So I have to... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I crossed a different bridge instead because um, I went into, uh, drove into Wales uh, across the the New Seven Bridge, which is also sec- a very lovely bridge. Which is a lovely bridge, near, yeah, but not nearly as impressive as uh, as the Clifton uh, Suspension Bridge. And there was also a, a first uh, Seven Bridge, but yeah. you didn't cross that one, didn't you? Uh, no, but I saw it out of the window. You saw um, it. Yeah. yeah, it was just a little bit too far away because I was going sort of just down the coast, just, uh, well, not quite south of Bristol, due west of Bristol. So if you know that part of England, um, yeah, the, the, the first Seven Bridge is a little bit further, a bit of a detour. So Isn't the west of Bristol, isn't that just Wales? Uh, you, you are almost in Wales, yeah. You're looking yeah. across the um, across the estuary towards Wales. Yeah, lovely sunsets in that part of the world as well. And uh, Paul, uh, are the rumours true? Have you uh, flipped um, and turned your back on um, uh, the national the nation's favorite supermarket. I haven't completely turned <laughs> my back to the Albert Heijn supermarket, but uh, the Jumbo supermarket in my uh, neighborhood, which is actually closer to my home than uh, the Albert Heijn, yeah. uh, they refurbished. Uh, they did a little uh, Binnenhof verbouwing, uh, which took them uh, a week. Uh, and I have to admit that uh, their store now is much nicer. It, uh, they expanded it a bit. Uh, it's much uh, nicer. It's much cleaner. It's uh, 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 it's a pl- more pleasant experience. So I just uh, jumped into it to see how it turned out, and I have to admit that I am um, uh, I'm a fan of the new yeah, Jumbo. So you're, you're I a convert. Yeah, I'm a convert. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, whenever I you know I get my personalized bonus items every week. I mean, in in the Netherlands you have you have two guarantees in life. Yeah. One is that you will die, and the other one is that on Sunday you will get your personalized uh, bonus uh, discounts uh, in your email. Uh, See, email I've box never had this because I've refused to sign up for that invasion of privacy that is <laughs> Albert Heijn's um, personalized uh, bonus system. I just won't do it. <laughs> Uh, so. Okay, so you're ready to 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 submit to Hugo de Jonge's uh, dictatorship? Yes, but you are. You refuse. But I draw the line uh, at uh, being being offered personalised uh... discounts on <laughs> coffee beans or whatever they might be. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Blood sausages was my personal discount ah, okay. uh, last week. Um, so yeah, sometimes I go to the Albert Heijn if it's an interesting discount. But I, um, uh, yeah, I, I like the jumbo. So uh, I'm on your side now. Good, glad to know. Yeah, they, they do do yeah. the best store waffles. That's really what swung it for me. And oh, okay. like you, that my local store had a refurbishment. I think about five years ago, and uh, that was when I, yeah, uh, um, that was when I declared for jumbo basically, and I, I've yeah. never, never looked back. They they just uh, threw all the TL uh, <laughs> lights in the bin and now they are and now it's a nice now store. it's acceptable yeah. yeah 
Yeah, but and they also have uh, the self-scanning uh, thing in the uh, uh, in the new jumbo. So oh, right. I'm a, I'm a fan of that as yeah, well. Yeah, so, so this, they joined civilization. Yeah. Exactly. I don't have to inter- interact with yeah. uh, with the commoners anymore. Yeah, but they do still have the sausage broccoli pizzas, so uh, it's not all good news, <laughs> is it? Well, I haven't spotted that one, but I'm <laughs> sure I will avoid it. Uh. Yes, please do. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, unpalatable things, uh, I'm afraid we do now have to have to turn to the the op-ed of the week. Yeah, the unfortunately, yeah. Uh, the op-ed of the week is again uh, coming from Forum for Democracy leader Thierry Baudet. Ah. We are actively trying to avoid him on the podcast because you know it's just too much with him. Uh, but this week, it was just, just simply impossible to do that. So uh, on Wednesday uh, and on Thursday, the most important debate in the Tweede Kamer was held. We will hear about that much more later in the podcast. Uh, and like all 18 other political leaders, um, Baudet too had a chance to criticize the government's budget and plans for the coming year and ask Prime Minister Margrethe some tough questions. But instead, uh, Baudet decided to rant about the Holocaust. Um, before Baudet could start his speech, uh, D66 leader Robieta demanded an apology uh, from him uh, for a tweet Baudet sent on Saturday. The tweet was a response to a statement by five Jewish organizations who kindly asked not to compare the government's coronavirus policy to the Holocaust or to the way Jews were treated by the Nazi regime in the Second World War. Baudet tweeted that Jewish organizations have, quote, no right to claim the Second World War uh, and denied that he had ever compared the Corona Access Pass with the Holocaust, uh, even though several of his uh, MPs had done that very explicitly. Uh, apart from the very weird content, Baudet also wrote the word Holocaust without a capital H and in quotation marks, uh, which many, including former PvdA leader Lodewijk Ascher, felt was something between disgusting and dangerously close to a Holocaust denial. The timing of the tweet was also criticized because it was on the very same day a new Holocaust memorial in Amsterdam was opened, which includes the name of all 106,000 Dutch Jewish victims that were murdered in the Nazi death camps during the Second World War. Uh, Baudet refused to apologize and instead unleashed in a rage directed against his critics, complaining that he was the victim here uh, because he is the one that's always being compared to uh, to Nazis and fascists. Uh, it wasn't the first time Baudet came into trouble about alleged anti-Semitism. In November last year, his party was, uh, it was once the largest in the country, Briefly. remember? Yeah. Uh, completely collapsed after it was revealed Baudet refused to take action against anti-Semitism among the party's youth organization. Uh, and instead, he had rewarded one of the accused members with a job as a personal assistant to uh, one of the other FAD uh, MPs. Yeah. Uh, almost uh, all elected of... Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he also famously, of course, said, uh, most of my friends are anti-Semites. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he allegedly said that. One of the candidates on the, on the, on the list for the, uh, for the elections yeah. um, uh, claimed that uh, when she left. Um, it's still unclear if he actually said that, but, but you know, in light of all of this, it's, it seems highly plausible. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, after this, almost all elected officials left the party. It plummeted in the polls, but uh, remarkably, it still won eight seats in the last elections. And that was mostly thanks to its uh, anti-corona measure standpoints, yep. which uh, this party was the only one uh, to have that opinion. Yeah, thanks to Thierry's super spreader caravan that, uh, yeah, that toured exactly. the country, yeah. tra- trailing yeah. coronavirus in its wake. Yeah, so yeah, well, what more is this to say about But I mean, it's difficult because you know he does this on purpose and he does it to stir up outrage. And here we are talking about it, being outraged about it. But I think there's a line that you cross, especially when it, he actually brings it into parliamentary debate. Well, I guess you could argue that uh, that that, that Robieton brought it up, but nevertheless, uh, Baudet immediately sort of up the stakes as soon as the subject was mentioned. And you know, once he actually brings it into the parliamentary chamber, you can't ignore it anymore. You know, this is a, no. yeah, a, 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 a profoundly disturbing development in Dutch politics. and um, It is very disturbing yeah, indeed. Yeah. And I have to admit that if I uh, look at Baudet and if I listen to him and I see how he behaves, then I'm generally worried that he is uh, he has some mental issues. I yeah. mean, I, uh, it's, it, he is not well uh, if no. you look at him. That's the only conclusion you there can draw. There is something really... So, ma- yeah, really uh, 
yeah, kind of, kind of manic and yeah, and un, unsettled about him. But uh. and and he's always behaved weirdly, of course, ever since he he, he came into politics. Uh, that was probably just his strategy to you know uh, uh, to to come into the spotlights and um, uh, get well known with the public. But recently, I am generally worried about his mental state. And uh, yeah, remember he is a person and. Um, yeah, you just don't wish anyone to have uh, such problems, and I generally think that he, uh, yeah, needs to needs to look for some help. Um, yeah, I mean, he's so. always been an attention seeker. He's always uh, been fond of a stunt. I remember him uh, dressing up in a uh, in, in a military vest uh, for a debate about defence spending one time. But I mean, that that was kind of, although it was very colourful, there was a there was a rationale behind it. But what you see now is just increasingly detached from reality, and he can't seem to let a a conspiracy theory pass him by without latching onto it um it's just yeah i believe i believe it was the uh, nsa who wrote in their uh, live blog that uh, they summarized his uh, his speech with uh, that he 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 um, had a long list of conspiracy theorists that weren't worth mentioning here yeah. that's what they wrote in their live blog and uh, yeah it's uh, it's it's becoming more and more unsettling indeed as you say but yeah he's in parliament because people vote for him and uh, there's only yeah. There's only one way to fix that, so uh, yeah. Don't vote for Jeremy. Don't vote for <laughs> Please just stop voting for Jeremy. <laughs> this week was Budget Day, which was followed by two long, very long days in the Tweede Kamer with MPs debating the government's budgets and plans. Also this week, party leaders spent a weekend together on an estate in Hilversum in an effort to break the formation process stillmate. Leonardo DiCaprio is investing his money in the Dutch economy, and I assume there's sport news. As sort I was of. writing this, there was yeah. still no sport <laughs> news in the script, but I assume there is some. Uh, and also a chicken in Zeeland made a very interesting transition. Hmm. King Willem-Alexander officially opened the parliamentary year in a speech to both houses of the Dutch parliament in The Hague on Tuesday. Uh, it's actually called Prinsjesdag, but we on the podcast always call it Budget Day because That's what we it just is, want basically. to do it. Yeah. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> Usually the third Tuesday in September is filled with pomp and ceremony, but like last year, this time it was a dress-down occasion due to the pandemic. There were no horses borrowed from Belgium, no soldiers in shiny uniforms, and even the location was different. I mean, what is Instead even the point? What's even the point yeah. of having this? Well, yeah. the, the 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 trams in the Hague had their fun little flags on uh, on the front of them, so that that was a nice touch. That was the only tradition they uh, they uphold this yeah. year, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, no, um, no, no, no racist carriage either, which is uh, no you know. racist carriage. No, no, the, the, all our traditions <laughs> are taken away from us, Gordon. Yeah, I know what's yeah, happening it's, here. Yeah, it, it it's a coronavirus dictatorship at work. Indeed. Yeah. Um, instead of the apparently too small Riddersaal in the Binnenhof complex, the king gave his speech from the throne in which the cabinet's plan for the upcoming years are outlined in the Grote Kerk in The Hague. Uh, MPs were driven in small vans from the temporary location of the Tweede Kamer to the church. And Willem-Alexander II travelled from North Einde Palace by car and not his racist uh, coach, as yeah. we said. After the speech, everyone went back to the Tweede Kamer where they awaited Finance Minister Wopke Hoekstra with his famous briefcase to formally hand over the next year's budget to uh, chairwoman Vera Bergkamp. So what was so what was in the king's speech? The king's message, well it was actually Prime Minister Mark Rutte's message because he after all wrote the speech, mm -hmm. was that despite unrest and polarization the Netherlands remains a good country to live in. Yeah. I have to say that if you have to point out that things are still good <laughs> then generally that's not yeah. a sign that things are actually good but okay. He said it was a good country didn't he? He didn't call it a half land. So, no, no, no. Yeah. Which which <laughs> suggested that Mark Rutte actually didn't write the speech, yeah. but uh, yeah. or else someone edited okay. it uh, before someone it edited out. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Netherlands has a bright economic future ahead, according to every prediction. According to the speech, uh, the king spoke about the main domestic themes for the coming year, such as the housing market and nitrogen crisis, as well as global issues such as climate change and the recent developments in Afghanistan. He said that those who work to evacuate the people from the country deserve deep respect and great appreciation while pointing out that the work there isn't done yet, as we all know. Mm. The king mentioned the floods uh, that hit Limburg this summer too, saying that climate change came, close, uh, came very close to the country and that protection against high water levels is, of course, the highest priority, as it has always been. It's, it's <laughs> kind the of the founding priority, the really, past. ever since the Netherlands yeah. Uh, yeah, exi has existed as a country. 
Yeah, it's a good to see that we're continuing this yeah. effort uh, after 1,000 yeah. years. Yeah, so uh, so not, not all traditions yeah. have been killed by the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. luckily. Yeah. The king didn't mention the current political impasse, but he uh, did shortly talk about the childcare benefit scandal, which led to the cabinet's resignation in January. He said that like the compensation of people in Groningen whose houses have been damaged by gas extraction-induced earthquakes, the government needs to rectify its mistakes. Yeah. So that was uh, the um, that was the king's speech. It was a very so yeah. It was an uncommonly long speech because usually it it is around uh, between twenty and twenty five minutes, but this time it was over half an hour. Wow! And that for a a, a caretaker government that isn't uh, you know uh, yeah. allowed to make big uh, big big gestures or spend a lot of money on new plans, uh, it wasn't a remarkably long long speech. Yeah, that is uh, quite uh, uh, interesting actually. And uh, so when Wopka Hoekstra opened his briefcase. Uh, what was inside it? A pair of ice skates. Wow. Very weird. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> no, appropriate no, no. somehow. No, yeah. no ice skates this time. Oh, thank uh, goodness. It was, it was a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, well, a, a, a large stack of papers, I have to say, yeah. uh, with uh, with the government's budget for next year. Uh, yeah, as I said, the cabinet is still in a caretaker position uh, as we are all waiting for the new government to take over. Uh, and that does mean that the budget didn't include any major political initiatives. Uh, Dutch News has an article with the most important important plans on the website. We will link to that on the liner notes. Um, but 1.1 billion is reserved for the compensation of the victims of the child benefit scandal. Almost 7 billion will be spent on tackling climate change. Uh, this money will go to subsidies for sustainable energy, uh, also to the insulation of homes and also electric cars. Hmm. Uh, 200 million uh, extra will go to the Dutch military and 1 billion is reserved to stimulate the, the development of new housings. Hmm. Um, the briefcase also included uh, the economic predictions of the Centraal Plan Bureau. Um, I have to say that I, ha- I didn't hear anyone in the debate talk about the uh, Koopkrachtplaatjes. Yeah, that was a real uh, omission. Because usually, and, and also you didn't really see that in, in the media. Usually you have a big double-page spread uh, illustrating the Koopkrachtplaatjes and and uh, predicting everyone's how everyone's uh, spending and income will change to the to two decimal places, which was on the highlights for me. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that was uh, again another tradition that's taken away from yeah, us. Yeah, indeed. Um, I did hear Mark Rutte talk about a uh, Koopkracht Punterwolk, which sounds even worse <laughs> than a plaatje, uh, but okay. Yeah. Um, the plans uh, or the predictions say that uh, there's an economic growth expected of 3.5% next year, uh, and also an all-time low unemployment rate is expected. Uh, but spending power will remain flat. Uh, almost all households uh, will have the same infinitesimally small amount of money more to spend uh, next year. Yeah, I, mean, I read this somewhere that i think like so five percent of households will uh have yeah you know, will have about eight zero point eight percent more to spend and five percent will have zero point eight percent less so everything kind yeah. of levels out remains you know? the same. Yeah, yeah everything's as flat as the you know, as flat as the dutch landscape really but, yeah i guess government's hands are tied because you know they can't do things like you know could, uh, raise or lower income tax because that's uh, not something you can do when you're a caretaker government so that's right. So they couldn't really tweak all the koopkrachtplaatjes um, yeah. to uh, to a to a preferred state. Yeah, that might be the explanation. Or they, I think they just didn't talk about the koopkrachtplaatjes because they, it would be the same plaatjes as last year. So yeah. it would be a kind of boring. I think even more boring than it usually is. <laughs> yes, we have this weird situation where you have a government that has no mandate, so it can't actually unveil any big policy initiatives and yet it has to present a budget and actually there were quite yeah. it was quite a a detailed budget because they found all kinds of other reasons to um yeah to to, to bring in um policy uh, changes like for example all the spending on the environment is caused by the fact that there's a urgenda court case which means that they can't you know they, 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 they can't wait another year to start um uh, to, to start improving um, energy efficiency because they have this deadline imposed by the courts um, and also the, ni- the, the nitrogen ruling as well by the Council of State. I think they had uh, f- 400 million they're going to spend on tackling organised crime because of course you've had a lot of high-profile court cases involving um, uh, uh, drug, the, the, the drug dealing underworld and the murder of Peter de Vries. So again, the, 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 you, you heard this common refrain in the last few weeks that, uh, OK, we're a caretaker government, but we can't wait another year or another six months uh, to tackle this issue. We have to do it now. 
exactly yeah. but but the the i think the big uh, uh difference here is that this is a such a why there's such wild con wide consensus about these topics that is uh, actually uh, it, it is it is these are new plans indeed but it's so uh, uh everyone agrees with it that it's not um how do you, how do you say that a uh, controversial it's not a controversial uh, uh, point yeah yeah. It's not a controversial point. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, uh, yeah, and of course, although the government is uh, is, is formally not allowed to uh, present um, a policy program, of course, Parliament can still pass laws if there's um, a majority of MPs in support of a measure. And during the debate over the two days after um, you know, the, 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 that took place on Wednesday and Thursday, we saw quite a lot of that, didn't we? So, w what were the highlights of the debate for you? Uh, yeah, the budget day was followed by two long days uh, of debate on the government's plan. Uh, in Parliament, yeah. uh, it traditionally started with a tirade by uh, Geert Wilders, of course, yes. uh, because that's. In fact, was, was there not, actually no? Was there not first of all a debate about what order they should speak in? Wasn't there? There was, yeah, there was a whole discussion about usually, that. Yeah. Because usually, uh, in this debate, the sequence is they start with the largest opposition party, then the largest coalition part party, yeah. then the second largest opposition party, second largest coalition party, and so on and so on. Yeah. So it's sort of. Um, yeah, it's to alternate between opposition and, co and, go and government. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it alternates uh, between these uh, uh, these groups of, of parties. But in the beginning, they said, "Well, uh, Mark Rutte said the coalition no longer exists. Yeah. He had actually said that. The Christian Union also seems to agree. So why do we? Why don't we just uh, 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 skip the usual uh, sequence and just?" Um, start with the largest party and then yeah. we move uh, uh, we move to the to the smaller one that would mean that the VVD as the largest party would start yeah. followed by D66 and then Geert Wilders so yeah. Geert Wilders was annoyed by this yeah he wasn't then, having it was he he's absolutely he, he's very protective of the fact that he gets first go in the, uh, in the of debate. course but that yeah. is that is when most people are watching so yeah, yeah I completely understand from yeah. his point of view that he wants to start first yeah. and also probably his uh, his prepared speech was also uh, directed uh, 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 was written with this in mind, yeah. um, but uh, they decided to change the order. It was it was actually a, a sort of uh, bolder in action because yes, they yeah. decided to change the order, but but have Geert Wilders still start first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're still able to agree on uh, important things like uh, yeah the order of speeches. In, yeah, in it debate. did. It did take half an hour though, but yes. uh, yeah, then we could finally start. Yeah. So uh, Wilders had a tirade. Uh, this time it was directed against uh, Sigrid Kaag, who seems to be the new uh, main target of Wilders. Yeah. Uh, she resigned, of course, as foreign affairs minister last week, but she stays on as deze successor faction leader in the Tweede Kamer. In that capacity, she was expected to take part in the debate because you know usually it's done by by the by the political leaders. But that job was left to the more experienced Rob Jetta this time, and this annoyed Wilders so much. That he demanded that Kaag would do the uh, do the uh, do the talking, mm. even though he has literally, n you know, nothing to say about that. Yes. So uh, yeah, after a few hours, some substance came into the debate. Uh, all the coalition parts, uh, all the opposition parties, uh, realized that there was something to gain for them, as the uh, current coalition is basically non-existent anymore. Yeah, they started to list all their wishes and all yeah. their. Um, yeah. and everything they wanted yeah. to realize. All their ideas of how, of, of how they could buy plus in the budget, as it was, uh, <laughs> as it was uh, called. Yeah, a terrible word, yes. which we'll... Uh, we, we don't know who said it, but I can't really find it in the minutes, no. but we will, we will track we them will down. We will track them down and we'll make them pay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the wishes were higher salaries for teachers and healthcare workers, uh, scrapping the verhuurders having uh, or the landlord levy. Yeah. Uh, that's a tax on real estate in the social housing sector. Uh, and also government student grants needed to be reinstated, uh, according to other parties. Yeah. Uh, all these plans uh, were opposed by the cabinet, but in the debate it became clear that all, uh, all the plans had majorities in parliament in some combination or another. The parliamentary leader of the VVD, Sophie Hermans, was sent around by Rutte with 1 billion euro extra for the opposition to spend in order to win support for the government's plan. But they didn't seem to take debate on the first day. Mm. And so the first day of the debate ended just after midnight with mo no positive end in sight. Yeah, I have this uh, charming image in my head now of uh, Sophie Herrmann's literally sort of going round handing out some little brown <laughs> envelopes to the parties, you know, sort of, you know, sort of, like sort of distributing sweets to the yeah. uh, to children at Christmas time or something. It's like a D Dickensian scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
some more, some more, please. Uh, some more, isn't that? Uh, yeah, strong uh, sort of a twist. Yeah, yeah. Please, yeah, sir, exactly. can I have some more for the teachers yeah. and the healthcare workers yeah. <laughs> and the social housing uh, sector? <laughs> so on the second day, uh, caretaker prime minister responded to the questions, plans, and speeches of the nineteen factions in parliament. Yeah. We have nineteen yeah, leaders. Speak, who and all speaking of the nineteen factions, of course. Um, the 19th faction um, is uh, Peter Omzicht, who's just come back yep. from sick leave, having spent three months off work with, uh, with basically with burnout, I think is, uh, uh, was more or less a diagnosis. And what happened? He was put last, the last speaker in a debate that went on to one in the morning. Yeah, so, but that's logical <laughs> because is, he's the smallest faction logical, and the latest one. It is logical, but you kind of think one, a guy yeah. who's literally just been off work with burnout, you know, and uh, you know, the importance of getting a good night's sleep is kind of integral to recovering from burnout, and then you make him stand up in Parliament at one in the morning. It could have yeah, been a bit more well, considerate, yeah. I think. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah I think he he was um, uh, on many times. He just left the room for a couple of hours, I think, to uh, to uh, to get some rest. Uh, so yeah, uh, he he did some self care, but still, I mean, um, the first day he came back was was the, the Afghanistan debate, right? Which yeah. also lasted well into the night. So um, yeah, I, I would uh, I would advise Peter Onsich to take things uh, a little bit more slowly. I think. Um, the second uh, day of the debate started with news that the cabinet uh, will indeed raise salaries in the healthcare sector by 675 million euros. That was a clear gesture to the ChristenUnie and the SP. Uh, the socialists wanted the raise to be paid with an increase in profit tax, but Rutte said that was impossible and instead proposed an increase in health insurance, uh, which naturally uh, didn't find support uh, with the SP. Uh, but while the debate in the plenary chamber continued, behind the scenes a deal was broken between the VVD and other parties. After the dinner break, it became clear Hermann's 1 billion euro was increased to 2.5 billion uh, euros of adjustments to the budget. The landlord levy will be scrapped. Primary school salaries will be increased with half a billion. The energy bill will be lowered with 375 million euros and half a billion more will become available for the military. Uh, parties were reluctant to say if the fruitful negotiations in the, in the debate will also mean that they are willing to restart the formation process again. Uh, but Jesse Klaver of GroenLinks uh, explicitly said that he uh, still uh, he's still open uh, to a coalition of five or perhaps six parties uh, while looking at uh, Gertjan Segers of the ChristenUnie. Yeah. But he said this uh, right before he uh, uh, issued a long list of motions with all sorts of plans. Uh, the GroenLinks desperately want, for example, uh, they want to declare the uh, a state of emergency, a climate stage of emergency. Yeah. Um, um, uh, all of them <laughs> were not ex uh, accepted uh, 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 by the rest of the Tweede Kamer. Uh, so uh, it was clear i mean he he said i want to restart the negotiations again and then he had the all these wishes and all these motions yeah. but uh, uh his message was if you accept these then we can restart yeah. again but so, he, uh, yeah so basically yeah, so, really yeah, saying i say I'm, I'm happy to negotiate a coalition as long as i get everything i want yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> which uh, he didn't get anything he wanted so yeah, yeah that was uh, was a little bit yeah uh, yeah uh, but it was quite funny yeah but I guess, I guess we can conclude from this and for the last couple of days of debate that the, the coalition is basically dead now isn't it because yeah. um no, no we knew about the christian uni and that they were obviously they supported the uh, the motion of um disapproval against uh, the entire cabinet even though they are still um, notionally in the cabinet but also because uh, i think over the during the uh, Alkhamena Politika Beschauinga, we also saw that um, uh, Dayson Zestach were really quite um, confrontational towards uh, yeah. the Fefe Day and Goto as well. So, yeah. effectively, there is no coalition discipline anymore. Um, and they're almost, open, they're almost negotiating uh, in, 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 in the open air, which is quite a novelty, actually. Usually, these, these, these discussions take, part, take place behind closed doors, but this time everyone was you know, throwing up their, their wish lists and their thoughts um, and inviting Rutter to, um, uh, to, to seek concessions. So exactly. It's so, almost yeah. as if uh, democracy has, has finally arrived in the, in the negotiation <laughs> process. Democracy, <laughs> transparency, and openness. Yeah. yeah, but I have to say that you know, if if we're really gonna have uh, these six parties negotiating a a, a coalition, then uh, I'm curious to see if they are also going to negotiate in the open or in the openness. Yeah. And, uh, uh, 
I suspect that it will not work no. at all. But um, yeah, we will see how this will uh, uh, turn out. I have to say that it is quite hopeful that uh, uh, these parties manage to 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 agree on something yeah. after all, and that uh, might be um, might be a first step into the right direction uh, for the rest of the formation process, yeah. which we will talk about now. We will, <laughs> <laughs> because we have talked for long about this goddamn budget. <laughs> So, all the excitement of pomp and ceremony of Budget Day took rather took the spotlight away from the coalition talks, which is just as well, because almost nothing of note happened this week. Um, and yeah. it's taking its toll on the voters. Around 6 in 10 people now have told an Ipsos poll that they have very little or no faith in politics. And according to TV show Ein van Dach, a similar number would prefer another election to grinding on with negotiations. I think those people must have had their memories affected by COVID, uh, because uh, <laughs> if, they, if, they, if, they, if they think a, a new election campaign is going to be any more enjoyable um, than, yeah. than what we're in at the moment. Um, yeah, almost. Uh, I think I think new elections would be really a a a. a yeah, it, it would be shameful, I think, if we would have new elections. I mean, it would just, uh, I think, uh, I think new elections will uh, bring down the confidence of people in the in the, in the system and yeah. in the politi- politicians even 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 uh, lower than it already is. Yeah. I think. I think if we have elections before we've even got to the stage of actually at least putting some kind of coalition to parliament um yeah that would be disastrous i think that would yeah. really shape people's confidence so look because that looks as if the system just isn't working yeah uh, exactly yeah. yeah um almost three quarters of people who responded said the lack of progress had dented their confidence in national politics and a similar proportion said the netherlands can't afford to waste time right now uh, but w- w- when can it ever which is yeah, when can it ever? Even though it's, I don't think that's really true because you know the, we have a healthcare crisis, uh, the pandemic. Yeah, we will talk about that later. But the the government is still regarding themselves missionary on this topic, so they are uh, they are still working on that yeah. and uh, also um, uh, installing new measures that are pretty impactful on on society. So I yeah. don't think I don't think it is. We, we, I mean. Of course, we really need a new government because it's been six months. But the the, the there's not not yeah so much we're not really on the on it doesn't feel like we're tintering on the brink of, brink of disaster. I mean, if anything, no. as uh, uh, as we've seen from the economic forecast, things are actually going better than expected for the moment. It's almost if not having a government um, allows the economy to just uh, to, you know, to, don't say that to, to turbocharge. <laughs> we saw this in Belgium as well, didn't we? When they were they went eighteen months without a government and they'd never been more prosperous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there are a lot of Belgian commentators and politicians that are looking at the Netherlands, and that they are, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, laughing a little bit in their yeah. fist because you know we are making fun of the of Belgium for not having a government for so long. Yeah. I mean, still we have one year to go before we break that record. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it, things are pretty bad if Belgium are, are laughing at you. I think. Yeah, that's never a good sign. Yeah, but at least the no. roads aren't cracking up yet. That's right. So has there been any news from the government at all? Well, we have got two new ministers, um, but if you were hoping that would uh, be an injection of fresh blood, uh, you're (laughs) going to be disappointed uh, because, uh, yeah, it's uh, two uh, very familiar names. Uh, Veteran Fefe de Jack-of-all-trades Henk Kamp has been appointed defence minister after Ank Beilefeldt resigned last week, eventually, over the botched evacuation of uh, Kabul. Camp, who is 16. Did we mention it on a podcast last week, by the way, or not? Did she did she resign on Friday? Or did she uh, I think she was that? she resigned on Friday. I think after the podcast. Yeah, because uh, okay, Kamp so resigned uh, on Thursday. Um, yeah. and, but as, as we'll come to uh, shortly, and then Bielefeld resigned the following day. Um, Henk Kamp is sixty nine. He was previously defence minister between two thousand and two and two thousand and seven, uh, so kind of during the Iraq War, and has also held the social affairs and economic affairs portfolios. And then, um, yeah, he, he's very much the uh, the junior partner. He's a, he's a spring chicken <laughs> compared to Ben Knappen uh, of the CDR. He's seventy, and he's returned to the foreign affairs ministry uh, following the departure of Sigrid Kaag. Uh, the CDR stalwart was junior foreign minister in Mark Rutte's first cabinet from 2010 to 2012, and then went on to be head of the European Investment Bank. You know what the terrible thing is? Uh, um, yes. He he already no. was a minister in the cabinet when he took over the uh, the entire foreign office because he was the Kaag was first the minister for foreign trade and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, for foreign trade. Then she became foreign minister. He took over her old uh, her old job, so he was already in the cabinet when he became the whole foreign uh, when he took over the whole foreign office. And yeah. I was like, 
he already is a a, a, a a minister. I completely lost track of all of them because <laughs> we had true, so many. Yes. Yeah. There have been so many changes so many to this, changes uh, to this and reshuffles. And, yeah. yeah, so it's, um, uh, I completely lost track of it all. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd missed that as well, I have to say. But uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, well, the, 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 they're trying not to promote MPs anymore because MPs who are promoted to cabinet now under the new uh, rule uh, from since a week ago have to have to quit their seats. Which obviously then means yeah. you have another reshuffle in Parliament as well. Yeah, 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 and they can't return to the trade camera after, to the after there is yeah. a new, uh, new, new government. So yeah, that's uh, they really have to choose between two jobs. But I suspect that the two or three uh, ministers that uh, uh, you know quit Parliament now yeah. um, are probably promised to to have a ministerial job uh, in the next coalition. I imagine because you know otherwise it would be. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's of course the scene when their parties join the coalition. Because uh, uh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still assume that VVD and Desaster will join a coalition, but you know, nothing is certain. No, uh, I have to. Yeah, that's that's right. But still, okay. Uh, so, are the parties hopeful they can do a deal now? Uh, not especially. No, I mean, Mark Ritter is characteristically upbeat and uh, smiling. He said there had been an excellent atmosphere over the weekend uh, when the VVD, CDA, and Desaster held informal talks with Johan Remkes to discuss the way forward, uh, with the emphasis on the word informal yes very informal yeah with uh, <laughs> yeah, with um uh, Greta turned up in his Gymshark t-shirt as ever um and uh yeah and Hookstra was wearing some well, he was wearing super dry wasn't he yeah they looked like they were kind of yeah uh, dads trying to get into a teenage disco or something or trying to fit in <laughs> at, at, at their children's school disco it was it was a really weird look yeah it uh, it all looked very forced uh, casual right it was very, yeah, very was forced the, casual that was probably that was probably the dress code uh, uh, forced uh, casual yeah uh, and Sigrid Kages wearing a body one and they, they all had uh, they were all wearing yeah. a, a shade of blue so that was you know all the suits yeah. in the Hague are always blue yeah. so yeah they couldn't really step uh, step away from yeah. uh, it, from their usual color scheme yeah. except for Rob Yetton he, he he missed the memo I think that said, oh. uh, said you have to wear blue there, there were tweets going around about it Yetton stood out as wearing he's I think he was wearing a kind of uh, dark green polo neck or something or an or, oh, okay. or jacket so. Okay, I missed uh, Ropieta's outfit, but uh, I will uh, I will look it back up. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, but, but Kark and her body warmer with uh, flanked by uh, Rutter and uh, Hooks on their t-shirts. So she kind of looked like she was their mum, you know, kind of uh, taking her kids to yeah, taking her kids off to summer scout camp. You know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. And they brought their grandfather too. Yes, uh, Johan Remkes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, but there were no, there were no real signs of a breakthrough, and Remkes said it's all taking too long. Um, one yeah. thing that seems to be in a spanner in the works as well is the uh, resignation of Sigrid Kach, which apparently came as a complete surprise to the CDA, um, which has been given yeah. as one reason, or maybe the reason, why Ank Beilefeld didn't step down until a day later, because she just wasn't aware that that was what you were supposed to do. So it's like it's just like when you're on a line dance and people don't communicate and one person steps back, <laughs> yeah, or, or everyone steps back apart from one person and then they're, they're yeah. left sort of hanging and that out. Person the front. Was that person was Ang That person was Ang Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I just can't imagine that this actually happened or that it wasn't uh, uh, that it wasn't on purpose. Um, Sigrid Kaag decided right in front, uh, right before the vote was there, that she would resign. Yeah. And apparently, she didn't mention this to Ang Beilefeld, who was sitting next to her for the entire day. Mm -hmm. uh, so when she gave her resignation speech to Parliament, um, as Ang Beilefeld was sitting in frame right behind her, and you could really look at her face and see also the surprise on her face as well as as uh, Kaag was um, was offering her resignation she just yeah. didn't really uh, see it coming and I have to say that that really uh, uh, raises questions about her political antenna I think because you know there mm. Kaag didn't really have it had a chance yeah. had a, uh, really didn't have a, a choice in um, in this she really yeah. needed to resign yeah when you look back uh, at her previous statements on you know after um, uh, in April uh, when they had the motion of disapproval against Rutte yeah, exactly. So it could be. Yeah. It could be that they thought that Kaag thought. Well, everybody knows or realizes that I really have to resign. So there's no need to me for me to mention this mm. uh, explicitly. So maybe that's what happened. But um, yeah, Ank was really uh, taken aback by it, and she was forced 
some say by CDA members the, uh, uh, the next day uh, to resign as well. Yeah, yeah. So yes, you heard it on the Bush Telegraph or perhaps in the Telegraph. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but there's one person uh, who didn't resign in this debate, and that was of course Mark Rutte, yes. who uh, had a motion of no confidence for the second time accepted. Yeah. Uh, well, a, a, a motion him. of censure, rather. It wasn't a motion of no well, confidence. Uh, sorry, motion of uh, disapproval. Yeah. I wanted to say, yeah. Um, yeah, which says that the parliament disapproves of the of the government's policy. So yeah, it's uh, interesting times. Uh, Mark Rutte uh, 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 survived these two motions, and you know you can say of one motion of censure, if it is accepted against you, then you know uh, the choice is left to you as a minister uh, if you resign or not. Uh, right? Yeah. That is where the ball is put at your feet, and you can decide decide what you do with it. But if you have a second motion, if you have two yellow cards on the playing field, yeah. uh, you, you go have off. to resign. Yeah. You have to go off. So, yeah, you could uh, say that uh, if you have two um, motions of censures uh, 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 accepted against you, then you would also might resign as well. But uh, Mark Rutte decided not to because constitutionally he doesn't have to. No. And if Mark Rutte is given a chance to uh, stay on, yeah. he will take it. Yeah, if he's given an out, he will, he, he will use it. A year and a half into the coronavirus pandemic, social distancing is being formally abolished in the Netherlands from Saturday. The one and a half metre rule is being replaced by compulsory coronavirus checks that will apply in bars, restaurants, nightclubs and most indoor venues. Anyone over the age of 13 who wants to gain admittance will have to show proof they've been vaccinated, tested negative in the last 24 hours or recovered from an infection in the last six months. And not everyone's happy about it. Koninklijke Horeca Nederland, the lobby organisation for the hospitality sector, said it was unenforceable, which is kind of code for it's too much hassle. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Garden centres and DIY stores said people could come into their shops, but then they need a QR code to go into the cafe. There's all kinds of anomalies like that. Uh, as Dutch mm. News reported, visitors from some countries outside the EU, including Britain, won't be able to use their vaccination apps in the Netherlands because they're not recognised by the Corona Check app. So they'll have to test every 24 hours, even if they've been vaccinated, uh, which I think might uh, put a fair few people off coming on holiday here, uh, including British and American visitors who make up around a quarter of all overseas tourists. And a group of lawyers from Breda will go to court in The Hague on Tuesday, arguing the whole system should be overturned on the basis that it's unlawful, criminal and discriminatory. All right. Um, so how are the uh, uh, corona numbers looking, actually, well, right now? Well, at the moment, they're kind of heading in the right direction, which I think has come as a surprise to a lot of people who were expecting an autumn surge. I'm going to say a lot of people, including quite a few you know, uh, experts in virology, said it's, it's the season for respiratory illnesses. So, And we had, a, uh, obviously, the second wave started around about this time last year. But the average number of positive tests is down to 1,800 a day. The positive test rate is below 8%, and there are just over 500 patients in hospital with coronavirus, which is the lowest level since early July and the dark days of Dunson met Janssen. Speaking of dark Dunson Yes, we'll come to that in a second. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh, in the last week, we've seen cases drop by more than 15%, and almost 80% of people over the age of 12 are now fully vaccinated. Uh, the Health Council also decided this week that people with severe immune deficiency conditions should receive a third dose of the vaccine to boost their immunity. So invitations will be sent out from October the 6th to around two to 400,000 people. Yeah, so Don Smith Janssen, there was some news about this disaster. Uh, please tell me about it. <laughs> there was some very bizarre news uh, about a fridge. Yeah. <laughs> was Boris Johnson hiding in it? <laughs> that was my first thought as well, funny enough. <laughs> Boris Johnson and Johnson are now on the extra layer Boris. of this joke. <laughs> uh, and Mark Rutter went over to visit Boris Johnson in London this week, so it's entirely possible he may maybe try <laughs> to right. sneak back in a fridge to escape all the heat over Brexit in Northern Ireland. <laughs> Who knows? But TV show Propaganda claimed that a broken-down fridge in Nieuwegein was the catalyst for the massive surge in infections at the start of July. Local health board officials discovered a short circuit in the fridge that was being used to store around 1,200 doses of the Janssen or Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I think in this story we should call it Johnson & Johnson. Definitely, yeah. We should call Hugo de Jonge also a different name, I think. Can we anglicize Hugo de Jonge's we name could, as well? I think we should just call him Hugo Johnson & Johnson, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do that. Uh, Hugo de Johnson, that would uh, make sense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rather than let the vaccines go off, they decided to hand them out on the first-come, first-served basis. 
ISIS, uh, according to this documentary, and the first people to show up were young people, because most of them hadn't been vaccinated, and a single-dose vaccine meant that they could go ahead with their summer plans. That experience inspired Health Minister Hugo de Jonge to come up with the Dunson Med Johnson slogan, i.e. you get your single-shot vaccine and then you can go out clubbing the same night without bothering to wait for two weeks for little things like uh, actually building up immunity to coronavirus. <laughs> that, in any event, yeah. was uh, how propaganda uh, interpreted it, but the Health Ministry denied that the broken fridge had had anything to do with the Dunson Med Johnson fiasco, so it was purely the result of a short circuit between Hugo de Jonge's ears. Yeah, that's, uh, that might be the more plausible... Um, uh, uh, explanation. I suspected when I first uh, read the headline that there was some sort of mega fridge which stored all uh, Janssen, uh, Johnson Johnson vaccine uh, doses. Yeah. That one broke down, so they need to get rid of all these hundreds of thousands of doses. But uh, it only was uh, the 1,200 doses. No, it was just so, one yeah, batch. Yeah, it was just one batch. So I think a lot of people misinterpreted uh, the headline as well. They just read the headline yeah. and didn't read the full story. I think uh, uh, most people expected the story as I first thought uh, it, it happened. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, applause to the headline makers again for uh, <laughs> a little bit of misleading. For a little bit of clickbait there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, but like I say, it wasn't the case the whole stock of uh, Janssen vaccines was going to perish. No, it was a lot less dramatic than it sounded. Um, yeah, but I think yeah, this is a classic case again where you apply Occam's razor, and if Hugo de Jong is involved in any story anywhere, then it's uh, the, your your first question should be: Did Hugo fuck up here? Because it's that's probably <laughs> the explanation. Luckily, not all traditions are uh, taken away from us. The one and a half metre distance rule is being abolished this week, so why not get a little closer to your favourite podcast and become one of our Patreon sponsors? For as little as a dollar or a euro a month, you can help us to help you stay up to speed with all the latest news, politics and animal welfare. We give all new donors a shout out to say thank you and the opportunity to ask us any questions you have about the Netherlands, as long as it's not the one about whether we're ever going to have a government again, because we really just don't know. This week, we'd like to say a very belated thank you to Mallory Mitzel, who became a sponsor of the podcast during the summer break. So thank you very much, Laurie, and to everybody else for helping us keeping going. Laurie didn't have any questions for us, but if you do, or you'd just like to give us a small token of your appreciation, log on to www.patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash dutchnewsnl. We promise we won't spend it on racist coaches. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, or flower shoes. Yeah, or, or books denying the Holocaust. What's that thinly sliced beef called? Capriccioso? No, it's not Capriccioso. Carpaccio. Leonardo di Carpaccio. Yeah. Yeah. Surely someone's used that pun. I'm sure I'm sure someone did. If they haven't, I'm claiming it. I mean, Carpaccio seems to be the most popular uh, starter dish uh, in Dutch restaurants. Yeah. You can't have a restaurant without having Carpaccio on your menu. Yeah. So I'm sure there is some sort of movie-themed um, <laughs> um, <laughs> restaurant that has this pun yeah. on their menu, I'm sure. But this time it will be vegan uh, Carpaccio, though, because mm. Hollywood's actor Leonardo DiCaprio is the latest high-profile investor to put money into Dutch cultivated meat company Moza Meat. DiCaprio has been a long-time champion of global environmental issues and has provided more than 100 million euros in grants to a variety of programs and projects over the years. The award-winning actor has also invested in Israeli cultivated meat maker Aleph Farms. Uh, one of the most impactful ways to combat the climate crisis is to transform our food system, uh, DiCaprio said in a press statement. Moza Meat and Aleph Farms offer new ways to satisfy the world's demands for beef while solving some of the most pressing issues of current industrial beef production. I'm disappointed you didn't say my synthetic heart will go on. <laughs> Uh, I, I hope that they will have some deep freezed meat in yeah. uh, in store and that it is served on a wooden panel um, or, or, or a door with enough space for only one uh, for one piece of meat. Yeah. Moza Meats was founded in 2013 after Dutch researcher Mark Post showcased the first burger on live television in London. That project had been funded by Sergey Brin, a co-founder of Google. The research had involved extracting cells from living cattle and growing them under laboratory conditions into strips of meat that were then combined into a single beef burger. Just Eat Takeaway founder Jitze Groen and animal feed maker Nutreco were among the investors who pumped a further 10 million uh, euros into 
into Mozambique in a third funding round in February. The company said that at the time the cash would be used to extend its current pilot production facility in its home in uh, Maastricht, mm-hmm. develop an industrial-sized production line, expand its team and introduce cultivated beef to consumers. Mozambique has not commented on the size of DiCaprio's investment. Mm. That sounds like a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on his yeah. meat investment, yeah. yeah. In his synthetic meat yeah. investment, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I guess I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that synthetic meat has kind of taken off in the Netherlands because there are so many opportunities to just uh, uh, slip it uh, surreptitiously into the food chain. I mean, you can put anything <laughs> in bitter ball and, and no one would be any the wiser, would they, really? It's no coincidence, you know, this is the country of the, of the horse meat scandal, after all, where you know, people just really don't know what they're eating half the time. So, Yeah, exactly. It could be fake meat. It could be horse. You just don't know. It could also be, I mean, it's, it's made in Maastricht. It could also be a side product of some synthetic drug uh, yes. uh, that's being produced there. <laughs> that's my theory. It's just a drug production line gone wrong. A very quick sports news roundup. Uh, there's been plenty of Eredivisie action this week. Ajax are top of the pile again after scoring 14 goals without reply in their two matches. And in the six games this season so far, they scored 27, which is ridiculous, really. It included a 9-0 thrashing of Cambuur Leovada on Sunday, featuring eight different scorers. In second place are PSV, who dropped their first points the weekend when they lost 4-0 at home to Feyenoord. And Pex Fuller scored their first goal of the season after 458 minutes of football. Congratulations. <laughs> I think I should just donate some of their goals to Pex Fuller, you know, <laughs> as an act of kindness. Yeah. Anyway, they equalised at home to Sparta and they earned their first point of the season as well. So they're still bottom of the table, but they're not on zero points anymore. Uh, so congratulations to them. This weekend, the Grand Prix season resumes in Russia, and one thing we definitely know is that Max Verstappen won't be on pole position. That's because he's being penalised three grid places for causing the crash that took him and Lewis Hamilton out of the Italian Grand Prix at Monza two weeks ago. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. What What is the reason why this sports section is so short, Gordon? Uh, the reason is that I haven't really been paying attention to what's been happening <laughs> this week. <laughs> I don't think much did happen, to be honest. Uh, but, no, uh, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's true. The biggest news story from Zeeland for a while now, a chicken turned into a rooster. Gree Bolle from Oosterland got two chickens from her brother uh, Jan last year, but for a while she enjoyed a daily egg from both hands, but all of a sudden one of them stopped laying eggs. He has started clucking, his comb got bigger and he was getting spurs on his legs, she told Omroep Zeeland, and he also started to sit on his sister. I guess that's not unusual behavior in Zeeland. <laughs> So well, apologies the, to everyone the, in Zeeland uh, before we before you start writing in. The transgender <laughs> uh, aspect is 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 unusual in Zeeland, though. Gee's <laughs> uh, a farmer's daughter, and she kept uh, chicken all her life, but she never experienced a hen turning into a rooster. Mm. Chicken doctor Sybil Westendorp, however, explained that sex reversals are not uncommon for chicken. It's probably a condition to the ovaries that causes the chicken to produce extra male hormones. And while the hen stopped laying eggs and started to look and behave like a rooster, it cannot fertilize other chickens so yeah. uh, thank god for for his sister yes um <laughs> uh, and thank god for the gene pool of although gay wasn't interested in a rooster and is annoyed by its slightly aggressive behavior and early morning wake-up calls she has decided to keep the rooster chicken she likes the idea of having a special animal and hopes it will grow a big rooster tail uh, luckily he gets on well with his sister she told omroep zeeland with a laugh yeah, uh, it's uh, it's probably a common sight indeed in uh, in Ceylon. <laughs> yeah, so all well ends well. Yeah, it all ends well. Except that Trey now only has one egg every day instead of two. Instead of two. So, yeah, she. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the chickens have become less productive. Yeah. That's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes, including the chicken. And you can get in touch with us by email to podcast.dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek and I'm Paul Peters. We'll be back next, next week. week with more chicken news. More chicken news or another drowned rhino, who knows? Yeah. Perhaps a government, but even though... That's I doubt the... it. I think it'll take longer to form a government than it does for a chicken to change into a rooster. <laughs> that's definitely true, as, we, as we've seen.
I, I, I thought you were going to say something else. Um, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Maybe it will come back yeah. to me at some point, but I expect it will not. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. 